Welcome everyone to the Gimme Vencast. This is episode two featuring Vince Veraglotti from the Cuyahoga Group. I am Evan Jarecki, co-founder and chief customer officer of Gimme. And we also have our other co-founder, Corey, with us today. Hey, good morning. Good morning, guys. Vince here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're happy to have you, Vince. Thank you for making the time to be on with us today. Um, I wanted to give a quick background on the Cuyahoga Group so that everyone can get an idea of uh, where you're joining us from. Uh, Vince is the president of the Cuyahoga Group of Maple Heights, Ohio. Cuyahoga Group is committed to providing quality food and beverage programs for vending, office coffee, on-site dining, as well as on-site and off-site catering events. Their primary focus is to consistently deliver a wide variety of menu items, coupled with exemplary customer service. Customer satisfaction is their key measure of success. So Vince, what is your background with Cuyahoga Group and how did you get started with the company? Thanks, Evan. Uh, My background with Cuyahoga Group is I've been working here uh, for quite some time now. I've been back with the company for over 11 years. Prior to that, I was uh, in the military for close to seven. And... um, and then prior through college and high school, I was, uh, I worked at Cuyahoga Group. We're a family-owned company started by my dad in 1988, Jim Veraglotti and Dave Carley, who is a co-founder with Jim. They started as a one-route operation uh, where they serviced vending machines just in the greater Cleveland area. And the idea was just to stay in the Cuyahoga County area, which is the county that encompasses uh, North greater Cleveland. But as time went on, uh, the company kept expanding, and now we service the uh, majority of the state of Ohio and parts of western Pennsylvania and New York. We have about 360 associates, and we, as you are saying, we service everything from vending machines to micromarkets and uh, several dining, dining operations and a coffee service. And... When I came back after the military, back to Cuyahoga, I, you know, I started in a wide variety of roles, but I eventually became the general manager of our Columbus, Ohio location and uh, worked my way up from there, became regional manager, vice president, and now the president of the company. Well, congratulations on that ascent up through the company. Thank you for your service. Uh, both my parents were military, so I'm just curious, what branch did you serve in and what was your job within it? I uh, served uh, seven years in the Navy. I was uh, when I got out. I was uh, lieutenant on 03, and I was a surface warfare officer. And so we deployed in support. At the time, I joined in May of 01, not knowing what was going to happen to the world. <laughs> As we de- deployed, uh, we were uh, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom, where we would uh, search vessels and then looking for terrorists at the time or Saddam Hussein. And uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was a good experience, deployed quite a bit, and uh, learned a lot and uh, decided to come home after about seven years and uh, work in the family business. Wow. That's, uh, that's a great story. And I, I can imagine your experience in the military during that period of time. You, you mentioned you'd worked at the family business uh, before you went into the military and then came back you know, seven years later, uh, what were the differences you had seen and what was it like getting back into the family business at that time? The differences that I've seen, well, in the military, 
there's obviously procedures for everything and mm -hmm. back into, into the business we're still working on procedures now <laughs> uh, we're always looking to you know get be more efficient uh, but one thing you know my dad is also a veteran Jim and he was in the Navy for during the Vietnam time frame and we always have a still in the company call the service where we work very hard no matter how many hours or the time of day we want to get the job done and service the customer so that was one thing that carried over from both military to the company and back and forth and so we're always striving to take care of the customer and get the mission done whatever that may be service event machine cater catering event at all times of the day so those that's really the same the things that we've seen as the same as far as differences you know obviously um i wasn't as familiar with the financial procedures prior when i worked for the company i was just a service guy filled vending machines mm -hmm. worked in the catering uh, did all aspects of frontline our frontline folks and um so we um had to learn quite a bit about that but management really carried over from both 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 aspects and being being able to lead people and manage them for the greater good is uh is something that I, I take a lot of pride in and um learned quite a bit about that in the military. it seems like a lot of opportunity for that leadership and then um, you know in the vending business i think uh, everyone in the industry obviously knows this but for anybody who's not in the industry waking up super early seems to be a common trait between being in the military and being uh, in the vending business where maybe you have to get up at three or four uh, some for service some of these accounts. Do you, do you feel like that was an advantage getting back? Uh, did the military help at all with uh, feeling more comfortable getting up early in the morning? I, I might have. Um, <laughs> you know, we were, as I said, working through high school and college for the business. You know, I was always getting up early and servicing the machines. You know, I, you know, maybe I meant that the other so way. Did, help, did the vending help at all? Maybe uh, in your first experience in military, perhaps some of your uh, other people that you served with were uh, surprised at boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, was that more natural for you getting up very early in the morning because of your experience working in vending? I'm sure. I'm sure it helped quite a bit. You know, one of the similarities also that I didn't touch on before is both in the Navy and here at the company. I'm very, very blessed to work some really great people some top talent and that's uh something i'm very grateful for absolutely and and actually that that part stuck out to me both from your team i can tell just from the way you guys market yourselves but also to your customers you know that single line customer satisfaction is our key measure of success i think you've echoed that and some of what you took back from the military so um you know, it, it, the focus you guys put on your customers, I think that is uh, an extremely important trait from a, an operator who sees them and services them every single day. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, without the customer, we want to be existing. We want to be doing this podcasting podcast. <laughs> podcast. Sure. And so they, they are crucial and we want to make sure that they feel taken care of and they feel the love. You know, sometimes there's a, breakdown in communication or service and we understand that but we're always trying to correct and be better for the next time absolutely absolutely well vince thank you for giving us a little background on yourself and uh in the cuyahoga group 
um, before we hop into some of the some of the news topics. Okay. Can't uh, wait. Absolutely. Well, I want to start off. Uh, I think this is something that we've we've all seen in the news recently. We know friends and family that have been affected by the campfire uh, in Northern California. So I wanted to start off by uh, giving a special mention to some of our customers, our friends and family that are in those areas. Um, one customer in particular of ours that was affected, uh, and, and Vince, I think you know them as well, is uh, We Serve Inc., uh, a canteen franchise company uh, up in Chico, California. They put a GoFundMe out for some of the relief in, in their area. Many of their families of the company were affected. Um, that link will be in the description of this podcast if anyone uh, would like to, to donate to their, uh, their GoFundMe. Um, but I uh, just wanted to give a special shout out to them. Uh, I don't know if you guys wanted to mention anyone else at this time. Not specifically, but overall, what a tragic event. Just the, the growth of that fire and the speed of that fire was just incredible. Yeah, it's something that I think is maybe underestimated in many ways and kind of hard to imagine uh, about, you know, I've never been in that type of area myself and been able to see anything of that magnitude. Um, but yeah, what a what a devastating time for those folks in the area. And Evan, you mentioned the GoFundMe. That's actually for the employees and we serve. Uh, when I was talking uh, with some of their leadership last week, I found out that half their employees were affected by the fire. Uh, many of whom wow. were displaced and now uh, and now searching to replace their homes. Uh, so for just to remind that link will be available and the proceeds of that GoFundMe are going to the employees to help them uh, transition and uh, basically rebuild their their homes and in some cases help get back on the feet with their lives too. Oh, incredible. Wow. Well, thank you for clarifying. That's uh... Uh, thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to help donate and give back to some of those families that have been pretty majorly affected. Well, guys, I'm going to hop into uh, another topic here uh, to to get on get on with some of the technology side of things. Uh, autonomous delivery cars. This has been something that when I first got started in the industry, it was talked about as sort of a pipe dream, I would say, in the industry was, oh, it'd be, it'd be great if we could have robotic delivery vehicles or, or robots putting products in vending machines or micro markets. Uh, th I, this is an interesting topic about <clears throat> some companies that are being affected by, or rather, uh, have started down the path of uh, autonomous delivery vehicles. Give me your initial thoughts on how this could be brought into the convenience services industry as well. I could, I could jump in. Sure. It's um, very, uh, very interesting. Unbelievable that we're able to see this type of technology and this growth of this technology through the last several years. I think it, this could be really good. One of the, Sometimes one of our weak points are our frontline folks that service the service the customers out there. This could be a real breakthrough, but I don't, one of the things is I don't know the scalability of the technology for that. So would it be available? You know, we're a decent sized company, but you know, Walmart, Target and Amazon, those are some very large, uh, <laughs> some large companies. Yeah. So I don't, 
but it, it'd be very interesting to see and uh, the disruption in our industry over the last several years from micro markets now to this type of technology and driverless cars could be depending on how you position yourself could be a real game changer for the positive or for the negative and so the continual embrace of new technologies is crucial so we're just coming off the heels uh, of the LA Auto Show, Evan, and some of the interesting things that were announced at the show and adjacent to the show. Uh, I noticed that a autonomous delivery startup company called Nuro, N-U-R-O, just raised $92 million in an effort to continue building and deploying their autonomous delivery vehicle, which a lot of people are dubbing wow. as uh, it's a cute little thing. It looks like Google self-driving car that a lot of people found cute. I found it, you know, an abomination for those who love the, the purity of driving, the joy that might come behind being uh, at the wheel. Uh, so I, I've seen a couple other companies take a different take. Walmart, not a leader in delivery, but a leader in uh, shopping in person is looking at autonomous delivery of people. So instead of delivering products to people, I just read an article that's talking about a partnership between Walmart and Ford, where Ford's autonomous fleet will operate as a taxi company that picks up people and delivers the people to the shopping experience, uh, which is a completely different way of thinking about it. Vince, what would you think about in vending instead of having people, you know, uh, thinking about us, how do we drive products maybe to people, but <laughs> operating the, the Cuyahoga taxi group that would take people to the shopping experience. Do you think that has any possibility of being in our industry? It's a it's a possibility. I'd like to explore that more, not only just taking people to where our services are or possibly taking the services to the people, but I kind of also like to explore one of the things that we struggle with sometimes is finding we find some really good people, but they might not have the best driving record, so we can't employ them. So that could really open up the doors and help with this manning situation of not not be, to create a surplus, if you will, of more people that are able to do the job because they wouldn't have to operate the vehicle. Uh, that's a great way of thinking about it, Evan. Uh, obviously, the end goal, right, level five autonomy is no humans, uh, you know, Vince doesn't have to employ any humans. Every part of it's completely automated. But maybe level one is take the driving element of what is considered usually the driver's job, take the driving element out so they can focus. Vincent, you could add color to this, but it sounds like so they can continue to focus their efforts on being a brand ambassador at different accounts and a, a merchandiser to make sure that each account is uniquely positioned with the right products for the people that shop this. Kind of how you see it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, we could really, really be a game changer, obviously. It's, hmm. it's a self-driving car. <laughs> Well, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the semi-truck where, you know, you have a large delivery, but those trucks can, you know, they're already being automated. You have Tesla doing something similar where the driver essentially is that uh, they're a communicator, they're a merchandiser, and they're a, you know, the delivery contact. But specifically, the, the driving tasks are completely removed, I guess, from the, the job description in that in that case. And I can see the same thing being applied to uh, uh, a vending, a, a convenience services operation as well. Most, most definitely. And really, uh, it's starting to blur uh, on another level, starting to blur the, the lines, if you will, of stay in your lane, 
you're a vent, vent operator, you're a convenience store operator. As we move down this path, a lot of, uh, you know, some of these larger companies might look at some of these pathways to operate in our sector of business, which could be scary. It could be a great opportunity, depending on how you want to look at it. That's a really good point, too. Right. Right? You know, the idea of staying in lanes, well, we're seeing the lanes, you know, the lines are being wiped off the road and, you know, we're putting robots in the road to drive for us uh, in this analogy. How is that looking from your point of view, Vince? We see, we see Amazon with this goal of operating 3,000 Amazon Go stores by 2021. We have Walmart trying to drive people autonomously to their stores. We have Neuro trying to deliver, you know, small packages, including food to people. And even in the city of Atlanta, where uh, Gimme is headquartered, I think there are now four major startups that have gained traction that specialize in delivering food to offices uh, as like a break room package subscription concept. How have you seen this, uh, both risk and opportunity? What's your viewpoint on that? Well, one, one thing, uh, Corey, is that we, you can never replace customer service. So if, if we can continue to provide uh, consistent customer service and be, be there for the customer to provide their needs, obviously that's going to be a huge help. But with more and more of these type of services, Amazon stores, Amazon lockers, it's something that we have to be concerned about. And that also be cognizant of the price points to make sure that we're competitive because you know, we could be the best customer service out there. We're still selling similar products and people are very price sensitive. So we need to be able to offer great, great customer service with a competitive price point. So we need to stay, stay ahead of that. And then also one of the things that you always hear about is like try to reduce friction. So that way customers want to use our services first and foremost. And, that, and that's challenging because with everybody's, and I hate to keep picking on Amazon, but with their Amazon Prime uh, memberships, you know, it's, it's just very easy to do that. So. Hmm. Now, you mentioned price sensitivity, hmm. and I know that when we look at some of the older formats of vending, perhaps you take a manufacturing facility where a number of consumers there may elect to use cash over other methods of purchasing. Price sensitivity was important because if you had – you know, a dollar bill and three quarters, if it went up by five cents, all of a sudden <laughs> you would have to go get more money maybe uh, because it's just not the change that you had from uh, wherever you got it to begin with. But have you seen price sensitivity easing up in different environments like micromarkets or even in traditional vending where there are a lot of millennials using credit cards to make their purchases? But yes, we, we see a lot of it, depending on the product, uh, a lot of the price sensitivities usually uh, look for the best word for here is de depending on the product can be very sensitive. And obviously when you deal with uh, multiple competitors in the same geographic area that you locate in on a traditional sense of vending, like we are, that is something that we have to be cognizant of, but other products such as uh, newer products, uh, things that people are searching out to a point there's really yet, yeah, you want to be competitive with it, but there people will, will be willing to pay for this product because they need they need or want that product. And I'm not saying price gouging here, but being able to um, it, be able to take advantage of that because it might be hard to source that product, and obviously you have to pay for the needs of the company on the back end to ensure you have that product. Of as course, well. and and by introducing a new mm -hmm. product to the mix. 
you know, you really are adding a lot of value in a world that might have otherwise been saturated by, you know, the same the same choices 90% of the time. But when you introduce a new flavor or new package or a completely new item in total for a new category, that really is a lot of value and, and you should get paid for that. It's it's one of my beliefs that I think that our industry is undercharging in some ways for a lot of value. You know, we're bringing a lot of convenience to people. You're not having to drive to a convenience store. It's right there. It's stocked for you. And uh, I wonder sometimes if we are undercharging for a lot of value that we're giving where people don't consider the effort of having to go elsewhere to try to get the same type of thing. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. And one of the things that shocked me, you know, a couple of years ago now was uh, kombucha. I, I didn't, I didn't see it. I wasn't a big at that time, a big consumer of that product. But I can't let my tastes drive what the customers want. And so, as we brought that in, the growth of that product and the price points that we can, that are the value that that product provides, has been uh, amazing. Yeah, and I, and I actually just wanted to, to chime in. You guys made me think of something. Uh, the with the on-demand nature of, or I guess rather, the expansive of products that are and options that are available out there as a service provider. One thing that I remember seeing uh, at an account one time, and this is kind of related to price, but more related to product, was the, a food truck out in front. And when you think about a service provider kind of owning the entire lunchtime and the, owning the break room, would there be any opportunity for a company like the Cuyahoga Group to not only expand their product options in a, in a market or in a vending machine in a SKU, but also in the type of, excuse me, type of products or type of food that is delivered, where essentially if someone wanted that or if a group of employees wanted that on-demand hot food, something like that, it could really be outsourced to someone like a food truck where it seems like it's this local food truck company, but really that's Cuyahoga Group providing that as a service for those employees. Would there be any opportunity for there to be partnerships between the local restaurant companies and Cuyahoga Group as well? You know, currently we do not have it. A partnership like that in place, but we're always exploring and looking to provide the best value to our, our customers. And so we'd be interested in always trying something like that. You know, but on the same time, we have to be cognizant or be aware of the liabilities out there and make sure mm -hmm. that people that we partner with are obeying all the laws and keeping a sanitary environment. Evan, now, is that just because I saw the mac and cheese food truck park near ATV? A couple days ago, <laughs> does that have food trucks on your mind? I I love when Speak Cheesy comes by and there's a hot buffalo chicken grilled cheese. It's a it's a nice perk. It's unexpected. I will say it's not easy to plan for it, but when it is there, it's a it's a nice opportunity. But I will say that it's nice to have a guaranteed option where I can go down and get my snacks or bananas or whatever it is during the day. Um, that's the, the, a better part, but it is nice to get that that surprise grilled cheese every once in a while. But again, it's sort of it's not really on demand, and it's kind of random, um, so it's hard to expect and plan for it. Well, guys, I think uh, I, I love where the conversation went from autonomous vehicles to almost like bl blended and expansive products, but also the ways that food can be delivered on the break time and, and lunchroom. It 
it really challenges the, I think, traditional vending methods of, you know, this is the break time snack. I mean, that is such a, an expansive and growing part of our industry. And I, I love I love where it's going. Um, and Vince, you mentioned actually it's a great transition here into the next topic. You mentioned sanitary and um, obeying the laws from people on food trucks and uh, other restaurant providers. One of the biggest news headlines going on right now is the warnings around romaine lettuce and other food alerts that are constantly happening out there in, you know, in the world. Um, Corey made me aware actually of the romaine lettuce, uh, uh, you know, studies and, and what's going on with it. But from an operator's perspective and, and Corey, anything else that you've seen in the news on these alerts, how do we prepare or how does our industry dealing with food, how do we prepare for these uh, type of food alerts and what do we do about it moving forward? How do we keep our customers, uh, you know, in the right state of mind related to our food? So one of the things that makes us a little bit different in our competitive edge is that we op- we operate two kitchens. One is a catering kitchen and the other kitchen is our commissary or, um, and that kitchen is what supplies our fresh food for all our vending and micro markets. And so that kitchen operates Sunday through Thursday That way we ensure we have fresh product out to the machines almost throughout the, throughout the week. And it's, it's that food that's going into the market or vending machines is less than, you know, only a couple hours old by the time it gets there because of the way we operate. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, it's not awesome to work on Sundays, but it's great that we're able to Monday morning when people walk into their place of business that, they're able to have a fresh item. I mean, literally fresh. And so one of the things that one of our great sellers are salads. We produce quite a bit. I don't, some things I don't want to get on as far as detail, but we produce quite a bit of salads and that remain lettuce uh, issue really affected us. So one of our broadliners yesterday was unable to deliver any lettuce because of shortages of, of the different types of lettuce out there. Not just, Obviously, we when we got the romaine, uh, romaine notification, we pulled all that product. We had in, a, in, we oh boy. in place, we have in place uh, recall procedures for you know tainted product with peanuts. Uh, several years ago, there's some other issues that. So we're not. This isn't our first time we've had to do recall. We're able to pull that product, have a total accountability for it, and just the way we practice it, and we practice it several times a year where we do our own mock recalls because this happens as you're saying all the time and we want to make sure we stay on top of it and so as as we're inspected by all this different state entities county entities and then federal entities we want to make sure we can show our resources and then on top of that one of the things i didn't mention in um in the introduction is as a coyote group is a franchise of a canteen and so we're part of the compass group and one of, and every year we have to go through several audits with them to make also. So we're we take the safety and these procedures very seriously. So you've got a lot of experience and process built around the food safety elements of making sure that you're serving food that people can trust is safe. And it, it sounds like what you would perhaps recommend to others is 
a level of accountability and oversight. Now, some of those are involuntary. For example, the, the government being involved in food safety. Uh, I find that that's an appropriate part for the government to be involved in our lives. But also, I know that, you know, joining the uh, Canteen Franchise Group is an important decision that your company made and could be an important decision that other companies may make in the future. And, and that's one that you put a lot of effort into participating and joining. And as a, a group of people, it's become important to put that extra oversight on all the members. Do we understand that correctly? That's correct. Yeah, we're, we uh, want to make sure that the oversight is out there for our customers and for our employees to make sure that the products that we're serving is safe and part of that as well. I think we obviously we would do this if we weren't part of the fran the franchise group, but there, you know, the franchise group canteen has a, I'm assuming a responsibility to all its customers and to its shareholders as well to make sure that every partner that they have is serving safe and reliable products. Right. And, and actually to me, that seems like a huge advantage to, uh, one, the companies that are involved in that franchise group, but also just to operators who have this process, um, you can really emphasize the fact that you have a strong focus on food safety. And when it comes to, you know, the break room and the, the cafeteria and, and the other areas that you're involved in on, on, you know, on break time, those employees and your customers can really trust that you have a safe product that is ready to eat. And I think uh, to me, that just feels like a huge advantage uh, compared to, uh, I guess, any other option that an employee might have at lunchtime. We're hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. You know, well, you know, no, I, I don't want to talk about anybody or yeah, I can only talk about myself, but I know, there's certain, certain places and certain types of food I won't go eat because it might be trendy and hip, but I don't know what their procedures are in the back of the house. So I, I'm very cautious sometimes. Yeah, it's like if you see a fireman running, uh, you know that there's probably something dangerous happening. If you see a guy involved in food production avoid certain <laughs> foods, uh, you probably know that uh, there might be something else going on behind the scenes. <laughs> If there was one food that we should avoid, Vince, what would it be? Hopefully not kombucha. <laughs> That's a good question. I, uh, I, I, uh, I take, I'd probably say gas station sushi. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, common sense might dictate that one, right? If, uh, uh, that might be one to, to avoid necessarily. But, you know, uh, on the flip side, you know, the wheel of death comments out there are always floating around. And, that, and then our place of business, we never, ever say that because we put a lot of pride in our product. So to, right. say, to say a food I would avoid, I would let you, you know, your gut, figuratively, literally, is usually the best guide. So if you don't, tr if you don't trust, trust something, <laughs> I, I wouldn't eat it. Hmm. That seems like a, a good rule to uh, just obey yourself <laughs> in that way. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, the next big uh, news topic is something kind of fun. Uh, actually, if you had listened to the last podcast, Vince, I'm not sure if you had. We, we had touched on this a little bit, um, but the 
expanding use for vending machines. Uh, two of the big headlines that came out in Vending Market Watch recently were Dollar Shave Club is launching a vending machine and charities are launching giving machines in New York City. So two different types of companies, two different types of businesses launching vending machines for new uses, obviously not traditional uh, snack food or uh, or soda products. Um, we had talked about some of the expanding ways that this could grow, but uh, do you think that there are these many other uses for vending machines and what are some that you see might be really useful for you know your businesses, but also other businesses around? Yeah, I think, I think you guys are right. There's always different opportunities out there. And even when you walk the airport, if you forget your headphones, you can go to the that large machine, typically in any airport where you can buy headphones or a flash drive or whatever it may be. Uh, I, now in, in several department stores, I see makeup, makeup vending machines. And it's just the use of, the use of a vending machine is endless. And really the limiting factors are creativity as operators and how do we open the doors for that? That's something that we're looking and searching for every day for. And, you know, it's on the challenge is how do you break through on our side, the traditional thinking that won't allow for creativity, won't allow for different products. And so we're, you know, we struggle with that, like a lot of other people, and we're, we're trying to figure out what we can provide. You know, we're, we're bringing in different products, you know, it might be little, but little, you know, packs of aspirin or some types of other products. And uh, should we start bringing umbrellas for rainy days? Should we start bringing windshield wiper, windshield wiper fluids for folks that need it because the first snow hit and you didn't put windshield wiper fluid in your car? So these are some of the things that we're, we're looking at, and we just don't know how to one source that product yet that's uh, an issue and then how do you sure. how do you then provide that in a vending machine i know there's some operators out there that have been trying to and pushing for it and i've seen an ebb and flow of that product so i'm not sure there's a right answer but that's something that we'd like to do is that'd be great to go down and get your shaving kit out of the dollar shave club vending machine. <laughs> so yeah i think I think the one thing that all of those products have in common are really long or nearly infinite shelf lives. Uh, it's when you have things like micro markets where you're thinking about food and fresh food, the ability to just grab it and have it, uh, you know, in an instant, uh, it feels the most fresh to your, to your point about the commissary. It's like, Hey, this is a hours turnaround so that you can get the most fresh products available. Uh, but for these other things, they're either, uh, you know, these are hardware products uh, or rather think you can be, uh, you know, things that you can take with you, whether that's a travel item or or something else. But uh, it seems like the philosophy around what you purchase from a vending machine is kind of changing. It's a, it's a locked box that has products sitting in it for some sort of unknown period of time. And when you think of products in an open market or at a restaurant, for example, Obviously, these are kind of made ready to order for, for food items. So do you think the philosophy has just changed? I, I think so. It's changing. I think, I think it's changing. You know, when I was talking about when I was in the Navy, my first duty station where my ship was uh, located was in Yokosuka, Japan. So we were right, right outside of Tokyo. And the products that the Japanese are able to sell out of vending machines, good and bad, yeah, is absolutely uh, uh, <laughs> 
mind blowing. So I think, I think we, 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 the correct collective, we as vending machine operators and business folks out there need to do a better job of providing that product for the consumer. And the, the big issue, like you said, might just be related to sourcing. How do you, you know, if you're doing something like umbrellas, where do you start mass producing these? You know, where do your suppliers or who, who is your supplier in that way? You don't want to have to create, you know, tens or dozens of different, you know, outlets when you already are used to the, the food service side, when you can order in mass and have, uh, you know, that those large product orders in your warehouses. Um, there's been a lot of process and supply chain around that for, for many years now, and you've become very good at it. And this is kind of like embarking on a, uh, if you were like a new, a new vending business where you're trying to find new sources for these, you know, call them small materials or hardware materials. It seems like, uh, you know, an interesting challenge for someone who's traditionally been uh, strong in the food service part of the industry. Yeah. Everything you said is right. Yeah. So how do you, where do you source that product? How do you bring it in? And and they got to be careful too, because you don't want to be, you can't be everything to everybody as well. And yeah. If I, once I figure this all out, then you know, I'll, I'll share with everybody, but until then I can't. <laughs> sure. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm more on the uh, approach, you know, the cliche, if you want to get rich, you have to stay in the niche. Uh, if we try to be all things to all people, then do we lose a little bit of who we are right now? You know, Vince, you shared that you have strength with your kitchen and commissary and making uh, really fresh food that you get out to people in just a couple hours after it's made and making sure that it's, you know, fresh and tasted, safe, delicious. And, you know, if you become the uh, umbrella <laughs> dispensary, then, you know, does that does that start to distract you from a core focus that has been uh, a unique differentiator from other people in your space? And, you know, how easy is it some, for somebody to buy and start selling umbrellas versus how easy is it for somebody to create a kitchen and start selling tasty, safe food? Correct. That's a, that's a great point. You know, that's probably, I know I've been talking about getting creative as well, but yeah, that's a, that's a great counter argument to that. So how do you, how do you balance out the business? So that way you don't lose effectiveness in certain, certain areas. And I like that the term you just used, the niche is in the rich. Is that how it went? Oh yeah. If you want to get rich, you have to stay in a niche. Um, <laughs> when, when, and we hear that a lot in startup world because startups, you know, we, we rarely, uh, die from starvation. We usually die from indigestion. We start to chase every single opportunity and then, you know, lose focus on the thing that will take us to greatness. And uh, as an industry, I think that we do a couple things so much better than anybody else. If you look at unattended retail, uh, and Evan, I think I used this analogy in the last podcast, but if you were to take and tell Kroger, hey, you have to take every single employee out of the store and they can only visit it once or twice a day for like an hour and then you have to put them in a bus and they all have to leave again you know culturally i think that would just be the, the the shock would be disastrous i don't think they would be able to survive having to change their business processes that drastically whereas since we told you hey instead of you know one or two people going to a market could you have 20 show up 
because it's like a super big market, I think it'd be a little bit weird at first, but I, I honestly feel like our industry could handle that type of challenge. We have the culture, we have the processes in place to continue to do what we do just at scale and maybe in different environments, but do what we do really well, better than anybody else. I'd like to think so. <laughs> well, I, I agree with Corey. So we're we're on we're on your side there. I also was just thinking, for some reason, it would be really strange to uh, break for lunch and then kind of have these <clears throat> non-food options. You know, it's like it's kind of like there are designated places to go for those right now. Uh, sort of like an on your way home, right? If you needed to grab something, but I could see where. I, I could see the, you know, break room stick with break room, cafeteria stick, cafeteria, you know, you're not, uh, again, you're staying in your niche, your break room niche. So, um, I mean, those are, I mean, those are great points on both sides. Absolutely. Sure. Well, guys, the last thing I kind of wanted to, to go into here, uh, is sort of a, an interesting one, a fun one in, in my mind. Uh, I had, I'm, I'm kind of plugging myself here, uh, but I posted on LinkedIn the other day about some of the, uh, so everyone go to this link. No, I won't put this link in the bio. You can check it out on LinkedIn, but uh, the, I posted about some of the sales software that I use. And really these are more like tips and tricks for uh, some of the tools and the mostly the daily tools uh, uh, that I use and I see as useful. I just wanted to kind of pick both of your brains here on some of the tools that you use every day, or maybe some of your favorites that, um, other uh, businessmen and businesswomen could uh, pick up uh, potentially as their day-to-day -day task or for a specific business-related task as well. Um, really just anywhere, you know, your favorite app, what's your favorite daily application that you use? I'm, I, uh, I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear what you guys have to say because I, I ask that question all the time. <laughs> but as, as far as myself, I... The apps that I, I use, and right now we're using um, a software where it, we're starting to use Microsoft Teams a little bit to push out to our team members the daily tasks and things that we want to get accomplished, and then also use it as a check sheet. Uh, that's pretty new. We're also using Manage Up a little bit, or we were, and we... Uh, or excuse me, Basecamp. It's called Basecamp, and so we're right. using, oh, yeah. using that to using that right now. And so we might transition over to Microsoft Teams because that comes included with our 365 package. But so th those are some of the things that we're working with as well. We, I, I gotta be honest with you. One of the things I use all the time is I have a, a daily diary, if you will, a daily journal, and then a business journal, and I carry with those. I have a backpack with me constantly and I'll, I'll have those with me almost 24 seven where I keep notes and talk to, and that uh, keep myself accountable on top of my Microsoft um, outlook. I use that continu continuously, but you know, we're, I'm always looking for ways to manage my calendar. How do I manage the calendar of my family with there's five of us, uh, three kids <laughs> and my wife. Right. And right. Who needs who needs to be at what basketball game? So, what love to hear your your comments on that as well. Well, I love the idea of keeping the journal. Some of the successful people that have had the pleasure of being able to be around, I noticed that that's one of the tricks they seem to share is they had the ability to write down thoughts, notes, and observations pretty much anywhere and everywhere they were. 
Um, that's pretty cool, Vince. So I might be, this might be scary. I'm just going to pull up series suggestions. So I, Vince, I don't know if you're running iOS and, uh, and the newest version of it, but it's, it's in some ways pretty helpful in other ways, almost a little creepy. Uh, if you pull up series suggestions now, it'll do things like, Hey, uh, did you want to, you know, text your mom today? I'm like, that's a pretty judgy comment Siri, but it also tells me four apps that, things <laughs> that maybe I'm about to launch or in some cases, uh, sometimes I wonder if it's, you know, suggesting that I do launch it. So I'm going to pull that up and see what it recommends. <clears throat> ah, Evan. Okay. So the first thing, it says that, uh, Evan, I should send you a message. I'm not sure why, but I, I will make sure to do that after the show. The four <laughs> apps that it has, though, is Things. Uh, and I know I brought that up last time, but Things is a task manager app. Love it. The next one is News. Uh, I, I made it knew we were doing a podcast. Uh, that's one of those. Is it creepy or is it helpful? Number three is Casa, K-A-S-A. That's a brand new app that I got actually to manage the smart plugs that are now powering all of our Christmas lights, uh, which is actually pretty cool. So I love <laughs> nice. it's Alexa enabled. I'm buying it. I just saw Philip plug, plug to Corey's Instagram. He has a sweet video of it working. Oh yeah, just Shout Alexa, out. turn on the Christmas lights. And bam, all the the lights on the porch, the lights on the tree, the star, all of it. Just um, love that. And then the fourth of four apps that it recommends, interesting, is Yelp. Um, I guess it's time to see where I should be walking to lunch at. Or maybe you're just an avid reviewer when you have great experiences or not so great experiences. That's what it gets you, right? Like Who knows? You rarely take the time to say, yeah, that was a pretty good experience. It's either that was you know, the best experience ever or more commonly – I want to take the time to roast you because something did not <laughs> meet up to my expectations. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are the four apps that I saw. <clears throat> nice. Well, nice. I, I, I would kind of wanted to, uh, it's a little bit of a blend of both, but Vince, you mentioned managing the calendar uh, and Corey, you mentioned things. So I kind of have a few different places for, uh, what is what is happening or needs to get done. It's sort of a mix. And one thing I mentioned in the article was, uh, you know, pipe drives. So from a customer relationship standpoint, there's a place for those, uh, you know, task related or, or reminders for me. Then the calendar is sort of my where I need to be, like my physical location uh, or a call or something like that. And then things is really, again, as Corey mentioned, just this task to-do list. So between those three places, I sort of know what my day will consist of. And uh, I, of course, the calendar is sort of the most important because, Vince, to your point, it's where, where you need to be, where you physically need to be. So there's a lot of planning around that. Um, but from my, I guess my favorite uh, daily application, I mean, one of, one of my favorite things right now that I've been using almost every single day has been the Google Suite of, of products. So Google Docs, Google Sheets, um, even Google Slides here and there. Um, for some reason, I've started like taking notes and lists in Google Sheets just because I can have it on all of my devices. So it's a it's a nice syncing platform. Um, I guess it's a pretty straightforward one. Sorry, but, you take your notes uh, in Google it really Sheets. Has been great. 
I, I've done it before. I, I don't know what it is. You've got I, a I spreadsheet of notes. I like that. I mean, I know that it's, we both graduated as double E's, but I mean, that's a commitment right there. Uh, keeping all the notes organized in the cells. Like, oh yeah, I remember Thursday was a good day. I made it to C24 in notes. Lots of ideas flowing today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, a database of notes, if you will. That's, so. that's, the, that's the struggle is to keep everything organized and that way you can be effective and be present. It's a, it's a daily grind on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and honestly, the, the notebook thing, I just wanted to mention that was also uh, one of the, uh, in the book by Kevin Cruz, uh, 15 secrets to success of time management. Uh, I might've butchered the title, but that was one of the 15 tips was carrying a notebook. And Corey mentioned, you know, you've spent time with other successful people that carry it. I think that's a great trait. I'm going to be honest. I kind of have a digital notebook. I guess I, when I think of something, I usually pop open a note on the phone and take it down. Problem is compared to the book, it's since it's not a physical thing, it's very easy to, to lose track of what's been taken down as a note. I don't know if you guys experienced the same thing with digital note taking. Actually, yeah, I, I love it because it's searchable. Uh, so one of the best well, things, true. Like, oh yeah, I remember I was talking about, um, yeah, I was talking about Google Sheets and taking notes in cell C24. So yeah. I'm like, right. C24 and then bam, it's like, oh yeah, three years ago, uh, here's a note that you took. Also, do you want to see the pictures from that day too? I'm like, no, again, that's weird, Siri. But uh, yeah, I would like that note, please. It's a really yeah. good point <laughs> if you can search it. Otherwise, like, you're scrolling through pages. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. That's uh, yeah, that's the bummer about keeping paper notebook. You gotta like, you gotta scroll through pages, and or you gotta like rabbit ear a page, and you're like, now I got 18 <laughs> rabbit ear pages. Which one's the right one? <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, uh, we're gonna end it with a little bit of trivia. Uh, I figured we would go through something. Uh, last time we did, we played on uh, some candy brands. Uh, this time we're going to go with Coca-Cola. So how well do you know the big boy out of Atlanta? Are you guys ready? Well, hey, real quick. Oh, yeah. on, on the very end, is it possible I could like give out a couple thank yous? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone, would you like to, to do those now or right after trivia? Uh, trivia is fine, and then we'll do. Then we'll go right into those. Sure, you got it, Vince. Thanks. All right, you guys ready for the the Coke challenge? I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready. I don't know how good I'm gonna be, but I'm ready. Here we go. Here we go. All right, which Coca-Cola product is the oldest? Is it A, vanilla Coke? B, Coke with lemon? C, Coke Zero, or D, Coke with Lime? And if you know it, for sure, we'll go to the, the other person. Do either of you know it? No. No, I'm just, yeah, it would be a guess for me too. And these are all, they were, they were all in the United States. So not, not any trick question with a uh, uh, only international brand. I could take a stab. Okay. 
and maybe maybe your philosophy psychology behind it <laughs> unless it's a total guess then we're winging it uh, oh. well i'm winging it i'm winging it man all right you uh, got it i'm gonna go with coca coca lemon yeah my okay my guess seven story coca vanilla All right, launched in 2001. These were all after 2001, but launched in 2001. The oldest product on the list was B Coke with lemon. Vince, you got it. Your guess was your your intuition was correct on this one. <laughs> Way to go, Vince! The force the force <laughs> is strong with that one. That's right. I, um, I I started with one of the older. I started with Diet Coke. I th I think that would have been a, a little too too easy on that one. But uh, yeah, it was interesting going back through their their product line. Some of the I, I kind of had forgotten about some of the specifically Coke branded flavors um, and some of the changes between uh, cherry vanilla Diet Coke Zero became cherry vanilla again in two thousand seven. Just some kind of wacky uh you know naming conventions and flavors but uh nice job vince i wish i could take all the credit for that one that's just it's just a guess <laughs> cool well uh vince maybe we go through some of the thank yous and the mentions you wanted to shout sure. out now yeah yeah i think hey thanks guys for inviting me to the podcast really do appreciate it uh look forward to seeing you at uh, future shows but really like to say a thank you to uh, Jim Veraglotti, my dad. And really proud and happy to be able to work with my dad. Uh, not a lot of folks get to say that, and I'm uh, very, very blessed. And then secondary, I'd like to say thank you to Carla Veraglotti. She's my sister. I work with her every day as well. She's a great person, keeps me balanced. Uh, we're able to have open and honest conversations and yet still have a, a great family relationship. So love you, Carla. Thank you. Um, and then finally to, uh, my mom, she's, uh, I should say finally, my mom, thanks for, thanks for everything. And then to my wife, Katie, very glad she's been real supportive, helped me out. She takes care of all the stuff on the back end without, without her, I'd be, uh, I'd be really in a bad spot. So I'm really blessed to have her in my life. life. Love you, Katie. Oh, perfect. What a perfect note to end that on. And uh, Evan, thanks yeah, that's for awesome. hosting today. Vince, uh, thank you for you and your family for making it possible to have a conversation with you today. Well, thanks, guys. Um, look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Vince, for, for joining. Thank you, Corey. Uh, this is the Gimme Vencast, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye.